Generating traffic and sales can be a challenge for online merchants. But selling on the Walmart marketplace puts your products in front of millions of customers who shop on walmart.com. And right now, sellers who join Walmart Marketplace can save up to 50% on referral and fulfillment fees for the first 90 days. So get started today. Head over to marketplace.walmart.com savings. That's marketplace.walmart.com savings. Today's podcast is sponsored by SLI Systems, providers of intelligent site search and navigation solutions. Learn more at sli-systems.com and listen to their interviews at ecommercepodcast.com. Welcome to the e-commerce conversation with Pat Callahan. A weekly podcast focusing on e-commerce topics, featuring interviews with prominent people in the e-commerce space. And now let's move right on over to Pat to see who he has queued up for this week's interview. Welcome to e-commerce conversations. I'm Pat Callahan, and today I am joined by Reed Carr, who is the president of Red Door Interactive, a San Diego-based internet presence firm that recently helped manage Cricket Communications' online presence. Reed, welcome. It's good to have you. Oh, good to be here. Thank you. A couple things I want to talk to you about today, Reed. And the first is, I always like to start out with what you guys do at Red Door Interactive. Well, sure. Well, basically, what we... Uh Establish ourselves to be is a firm that helps manage companies' web presence for them. So we're kind of like an outsourced internet department. Uh, we help develop the strategies that help them establish business goals and achieve those business goals to support whatever their online and offline objectives are. So operate those on an ongoing basis and make sure that we're delivering the uh, the best possible ROI for them. How long have you guys been at it? Uh, about six years now. It'll be six years here in January. Wow. It's been a lot of fun and uh, a, a long road, I think, but uh, but a fruitful one. That's great. And I think it's it's always a long road whenever you're involved in online endeavors. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's been my experience. <laughs> Let's jump right in, because one of the ways I got introduced to Reed was through a case study that he worked on, co-authored about uh, Cricket Communications. The title of the case study is Cricket Communications, Less is More. So let's go ahead and talk about what you guys found, what you guys found out in this case study. Well, um, really where we focused on our efforts there was, <clears throat> you know, looking at the e-commerce model there for, for Cricket. Early on, trying to establish some benchmarks, establish some some opportunities there by looking at the, you know, kind of the, the, the benchmarks for them. So so kind of what they were doing in terms of, of you know, total revenue, total sales, and the sales that they were generating through the, through the site in terms of total dollar figure per sale, per, per transaction, that kind of thing. So looking at all that and seeing that they were kind of falling behind of, of what we really expected they them to be getting through the site. So we we went through that, uh, went through the site, went through the benchmarks, and started establishing kind of where we felt the the, the issues were, and really where we found some of those issues. Which uh, you know, at the end of the day, I think a lot of these are pretty common. But um, one of the predominant issues that we found was just really a confusing user experience. And you know, as much analytics as we get get installed, and that's kind of one of the places where we first start is getting analytics, take a look at what's going on the site. But you know, beyond that, I think some of those things were were particularly obvious. So one of those those obvious issues there was that 
users really had to kind of jump back and forth between kind of looking at products, looking at, at um, service plans and that kind of stuff. And then if they wanted to purchase, really had to go through the decision-making process all over again. <clears throat> so that was one of the kind of the big things to overcome there. And then another one was, was related to, to geography, which obviously with any kind of phone, wireless carrier plan, something like that, it's obviously <laughs> geography uh, specific. So, so trying to recognize that users really had to kind of overcome that barrier as well in terms of getting their zip code in once and then getting it again to, to or, or first to make a decision and kind of look at what they wanted to, wanted to look at and then secondarily to go through the purchase process was, was another step that they had to kind of locate themselves. So those were kind of some of the predominant errors. I mean, there were other things related to, to the checkout process and some of those things, but at the end of the day, I mean, we're really just trying to minimize the effort that, that a consumer uh, had to go through. So that was really where we kind of started our um, to, to kind of focus our efforts was was minimizing the steps that people had to jump through, recognizing the, the psychographic aspect of it, just kind of overcoming the first kind of sales process and getting them sold on making a purchase and then obviously streamlining the actual purchase process. That certainly makes sense, and I'm sure it's much more complicated than than uh, how it always reads on paper. One thing I want to talk to you about is analytics. Yeah. I always talk to people about analytics, especially on this podcast, and I think one of the challenging things about analytics is analytics are a bunch of numbers, statistics, whatever. The hard part for me, I think, is what do you, how do you make these numbers into something tangible? Yeah. You know? Yeah, and that's <clears throat> we spent a lot of time on the kind of concept of actionable metrics. So, really, we try to boil things down. And, and what I had mentioned earlier about establishing benchmarks, mm -hmm. that was um, those benchmarks are typically based on what we call key performance indicators or KPIs. So, we really start to look at and boil things down into a high level dashboard that say, you know, based on business objectives, how well are we doing on those on very high level numbers? And those are typically leading indicators to something real positive or something real negative. So we can go and then dig in on any of those numbers as we see them progressing one way or another. So, you know, if we kind of get those actual metrics in, um, up front, you know, those are typically based on, on a certain degree of just obvious stuff, obviously, you know, with, with sales and conversions and that kind of stuff. But then some of the other things are really based on hypothesis. So in other words, we think that this is going to be an issue. So let's watch this number and going to see if it really is an issue. Right. So we kind of put those things down and really kind of focus those numbers. Now, the next step there is, is you know, if we start to see something becoming true on, on maybe something that's driven by a uh, hypothesis, we'll then dig into those numbers and kind of skin them in lots of different ways. And then, but at least at that point, you're really focused on on the details of why that number is the way that it is, and so it gives you a little more focus, and, and then makes it that much more actionable. So we can detail and say, you know what, the problem here is that I don't know the the form fields to the right, and maybe it should be to the left, and and that'll kind of drive into kind of the future of, of some of this data, which moves into kind of multivariate testing or or even A/B testing, that kind of stuff. Sure. What's caught my eye about this study is Red Door did several things, and I'm just going to name a couple of them. A quicker checkout, uh, same page zip code search, uh, integrated shopping experience. But what's really caught my eye was the results. You guys saw a 569% increase in orders in conversions. Yep. A 289% increase in repeat visits, a 309% increase in search engine referred visits, and a 35% increase in the homepage retention rate. Yep. Uh, that is impressive to me. <laughs> yeah. 
You know, the funny thing about that is the big numbers, they're definitely impressive, but, but to be honest with you, I think at some point um, what, what becomes more impressive to me, and I, I think this is, this is just being kind of experienced in the industry, is the big numbers for me are not as impressive because generally speaking what happens there is you've, you've identified the, the obvious things that need to be fixed. So when you get into the smaller increases sometimes, that means you've, you've kind of taken care of the big increases. I mean, hopefully, and again, this is based on establishing best practices and really understanding the client, the, the metrics, their industry, and all that. So I think once you've done all that and done the background and all that, those big numbers are not that hard to get. What the hard ones are is these, you know, 10% increase on some very specific metric that, um, you know, at the end of the day bleeds into huge increases in revenue, certainly, but, you know, it's it's getting people, customers to stay longer as a customer or something like that, or, or these, these kind of big, complex goals that, you know, these incremental increases and keeping those increases going month after month, quarter after quarter. So, I mean, we're, we're really proud, obviously, of those these big numbers, but, you know, what we're really excited about is, is the future and in the, in the next few years of, of these kind of quarter-over-quarter increases, you know, turning that dial on very specific initiatives and very specific KPIs. Yeah, and that's a great explanation of not to be too wild, I guess, by the big numbers that you see. One of the things that I'm interested in is, it's even in your title, less is definitely more. And I wonder if people are getting away from that, if they've kind of forgotten about that, or if it was ever even on the radar, is this idea of less is definitely more. So I was hoping you could talk to that a little bit, the, the idea of less is definitely more. Yeah, you know, and this comes back to, to a lot of the roots in, in advertising in many respects. Is You know, people don't have a lot of time for, you know, for the excess. Uh, people need focus. They need to be handheld a little bit. And so, you know, the concept of less is more is, is really getting through and kind of um, chopping off all the superfluous information that, that a, a consumer really doesn't need to make their decision. And, and in some cases, maybe some people need those, those pieces of information, but the more you know about your customer and get those drilled down into what we call bullseyes, that, that person right there in the center that's going to kind of influence a lot of different people, but really is going to be the core of your customer base and typically is the largest percentage of your customer base, and recognizing that there's another percentage or, or many subsets of percentages that you just don't worry about because they're not at the, your core. So you do everything you can to focus on your core and therefore give them only the information they need and, no, and nothing more. Mm-hmm. Later on, the more you understand, the more you can behaviorally target and, and do lots of other other fun technical things, I think then you can kind of go after some of these little subsets of, of demographics around your bullseye, but really focus on the core and do that really well. Uh, and therefore, then you can just trim off a lot of things that this core just isn't going to care about. And that, and that could even get down into your product base and the service offering and any of those sort of things. Because at the end of the day, you're just really trying to push a consumer through, give them exactly what they need, trim away things. And, and when I say what they need, too, it's not just messaging or anything like that. And you're not exclusively talking about the homepage. Because it is every step they get deeper into a purchase process, for example, there's a different set of needs. Sure. So, so recognizing where they are in that process, and there's, I mean, there's very simple things. You get somebody into a cart, and you start to minimize the navigation that they have, because at that point, they don't need to go back and look at more products or something, because they've already got all the products they need in their in their shopping cart, or you know, what, whatever those steps may be. So, as you start moving through, you start minimizing and minimizing and getting them focused on 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 the very distinct path that you need them to go down. So, again, it all comes down to knowing your knowing your customer, knowing your core, a lot of testing. 
you know, certainly a certain degree of trial by error, I think, in, in some areas. But, you know, research, and I think that's something that a lot of times people overlook, is the importance of research. You know, there's analytics, and that gives you kind of what's happening on your site. There's external data you can start looking at, what's happening maybe on customers or those sort of things. But really getting in and understanding the psychographics of, of your customer, looking at the options that they have out there, and really understand kind of their framework and, and their, you know, fears and <laughs> what they what they are um what they fear related to the experience with you. If you are a, a well-established brand or now if you talk maybe to a small, medium-sized company where people don't, you know, they don't know who you are in many respects. I mean, you might have a certain subset of loyal customers, but they start to not know who you are. You recognize that and what's their fear related to that and how you, how do you, you overcome that for them or um, how do you focus on, on what your the core effort is going to be to position against some of the big players in your market or something like that. I would agree completely, and I wonder if research is is the next wave. We're going to see online more more of it. Yeah, you know, it's starting to happen right now, and you're going to start to see. I mean, we are starting to see a lot of competitive software, or, or, or I should say, software companies focus on competitive research uh, popping up there. You got Compete. Uh, dot com that's out there. That Quantcast. You've got a number of other tools that are out there. SpyFu um, that that start to give you competitive data. Uh, what's happening around us? Mm-hmm. You certainly have analytics, and, and obviously one of the big ones is, is now Google Analytics that, that gets you in there, and it can really be uh, for a small, medium-sized company. You know, you can install that for free in essence, and start working off of the internal data. And then, you know, there's there's a myriad of tools out there, um, you know, from trade publications and, and uh, publications such as uh, uh, Practically Commerce, but lots of other ones that provide these kind of case studies that, that certainly we're talking about today. Yeah. So there's a lot of good stuff out there, and you can start really benchmarking off of those data points and uh, and work from there. Reed, the last thing I wanted to talk to you about today was what advice would you have for, for small to mid-sized companies? How can they better market their sure. their e-commerce? Yeah. Well, first and foremost, um, <laughs> can't harp on it enough, is, is analytics, data, research, all of those things. So recognizing what the options are for your core customer, recognizing, first, I should say, first and foremost, who your core customer is, starting there, recognizing the challenges uh, that, that your co- core customer is, is facing. Maybe if you're a small, medium-sized business and you're competing against larger businesses, understand <clears throat> what their big core is and then maybe find those subsets that they're not focusing on as much and, and really kind of niche yourself in serving those customers um, so that you know them better than they know them or, or, or those sort of things. So focusing on those, then that coming back to that less is more concept. So making sure you focus only on what they need, provide them everything they need, and, and then make sure you're not getting <laughs> getting in their way. You know, recognizing that there is that sales process that gets them to say, well, yes, I want to buy from you. And then there's a secondary process of actually going through the purchase process. So, so not getting their way, give them only the information they need along the, on along that process, and then and then push them push them through and monitor those your efforts through analytics, establishing uh, those those numbers that are going to be very important to you, the key performance indicators, and really focusing on a handful of those that are maybe leading indicators to other issues. Maybe focus on a couple hypotheses that you might say, okay, I'm going to monitor these couple things that might be your kind of your big aha moment that carries you over into a, you know some of these big numbers that we're talking about with the cricket case study. You know, those, those big ahas that somebody says, wow, you know, I didn't think about it, but security is important, and if I did, you know, put trusty certified and, you know, verify and secure and those sort of things, you'll see a 15% jump or, or something like that because trust was a big issue. So those big aha moments are typically a core a psychographic issue or maybe a core design issue or something like that. But 
uh, when you start to identify those, you have those big aha moments. And, and, and those can happen for anybody, small businesses up into the real large ones. I think the advantage that the small medium-sized business has is you guys can make these decisions pretty quickly. You know, you, you see what these moments, these, these items are and, and make the decision and move. Whereas in some of the big companies, you know, you have some hoops to jump through in some cases. So That's a great you have the point. opportunity as a small, medium-sized company to take this data and be nimble with that data. So, you know, it's an exciting time for anybody. And, and, you know, as far as the web is concerned, I mean, focusing on being professional and being in a well-established business and running like a business gives you that opportunity to uh, to compete with the big guys because, you know, it's, it's pretty fair game out there in many respects. I mean, aside from, from the bigger operational aspects that everyone needs to overcome as any kind of business, you know, on a, as far as a storefront is concerned, if you're a small, medium-sized business, you can have just as good of one in many cases as some of the big guys. I think those are great points, and I think this has been a very insightful conversation. Reed, I really want to thank you for your time. Well, good. I'm glad we could do it. You bet. I appreciate it, and I hope to have you... That's all the time we have for this week's e-commerce conversation with Pat Callahan. I hope you enjoyed it. Tune in next week for another new episode to find out who Pat will be speaking with.